always. Kimberly Uh, We are so excited. We have not one, just one fantastic guest. We have two fantastic Mm. guests. Two, the two yeah. for one, you guys. Two fantastic guests. You may recognize their voices because they are the hosts of two amazing podcasts. Not one, but two. Yeah, not one, but two. two. <laughs> this is like a four I know. for one. I mean, this is yeah. this isn't fair. I mean, this is uh, this, this isn't, isn't fair. fair. How good this podcast is! What a deal! What a deal this is! But we have Nick and <laughs> <What> a bargain. <laughs> it's a bargain. You guys are gonna love it. More bang for your buck. Um, listening to this podcast, we have Nick and Muriel who host Hella in Your Thirties and Muriel's Murders. Welcome, guys. Yes. yes. Tell us a little bit about uh, your Boom. new podcast. Thank so, you. We're s- Muriel's Murders. Well, <laughs> our Muriel's Murders <laughs> podcast. Um, I'm a big fan of true crime. And I don't like course. it. And Nick doesn't like it. <laughs> He's like, and, I freaking hate that. And we were, uh, uh, when the pandemic hit, we were both waiters and actors. And so we lost all of our jobs and things to do. Yeah. Yeah. We couldn't leave our apartment. Yeah. <laughs> so we live in this one bedroom apartment together and you can only listen solo to podcasts for so long before you're like, I got, I have <laughs> to tell you what's going it on. It infiltrates <laughs> your nightmares. Right. So Mira was listening to all these disturbing ass true crime podcasts. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll listen to them. And then they freaked me out. And I was like, I don't want to hear that. But then I would keep asking her. I'd be like, but then what happened to that guy or whatever? And she'd tell me, like, right. okay, cool. Yeah. And then later I'd be like, but, but what about her? Like whatever happened there? So Very I kept classic. pumping her to tell me the stories. And then, and then we tested out the concept on Hella in Your 30s, uh, which is just kind of like a comedy lifestyle podcast. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. And our listeners really reacted well to it. And uh, we, we, we thought we'd give it a try and launch it as its own thing. And it's been really fun. Muriel does all the research. She just puts in a crazy amount of work and is really unpleasant yeah. to be around while she's doing it. And then <laughs> What? <laughs> she's looking she's at like, crime scene oh, photos and shit. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> And then, uh, and then, uh, no, it's mainly just like, it's just weird to be like working again, like to like not be working. And then for like right. seven hours in a day, be reading a book and like taking notes. <laughs> he comes in and I'm like, what do you want? Don't talk to me. And then, uh, I'm so I never see learning about yeah. this murder. <laughs> and then I never know what she's going to do. And we press record and she tells me the story and, uh, and she's a great storyteller and it's, it's super fun. So it's been going great. And people have been really oh. like the feedback has been fun because we have like some true crime, like veterans that are like, Oh, I can't believe you told that story. Like I've never heard that one. Yeah. And then some people who have like never been into true crime, but know us from other stuff. And it seems like a good entry for them. I don't know. It's I fun. like Nick. He's gassing up this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it sounds like a podcast you guys that um, works well for me because I only like some uh-huh, true crime same. and some, like I only like some horrors. So Nick, you talking about asking about how the the whole true crime went down. I will have people tell me the outcome of horror movies that I don't want to watch. And I, they're like, oh, you never seen that? And I was like, no, but you yeah. can just tell me what happens. Yeah. Tell me who dies. And then I never have to watch <laughs> know, it and right? be horrified. Yeah. That's so the fun. way to do it. That's the way we watched the entire Game of Thrones. <laughs> it was just like me oh. standing in the bathroom being like, tell me who died. <laughs> Oh my. Oh, I don't think I could do yeah. that. Game of Thrones, that's like an immersive experience. You gotta be Not like for Muriel. there. 
<laughs> she had go. to take laps. Ooh. She was too anxious. She was nervous. She's like, I gotta yeah. go. It is a very yeah. nerve wracking show. I'm not going to lie. I 100% agree with you. My anxiety is like through the roof watching those episodes, but thank God it's over until they start that <laughs> damn prequel. And then it starts back and up again. And then they got us um, <laughs> <both> again. <laughs> And then they got my ass again. Um, Guys, we're so excited to have you guys today because we are talking underdogs. Yeah. Now, underdogs, I think, obviously play a very special role in television and film and storytelling, right? You got to have that one person who, like, shows up, doesn't have their shit together, lacks the resources, lacks the brains, lacks the, I don't know, the... um, (laughs) the brawn or what have you, whatever shortcomings they have, but still can put in the good fight. Um, question for you guys. Hold on. Mm-hmm. My thing's acting up. Oh, oh no. no. Guys, my notes is acting up. Go away. How do I get this to stop? Leave me alone. Okay, there it went away. All right, let me leave nice. a note real quick. <laughs> I'm um, so glad notes. to hear that notes is also your word processing do- <laughs> yeah, thing at this too. point. I do everything in notes. It's so I know, sad. Notes I have like 4,000 notes. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I do too. <laughs> it, luckily, it's got a search functionality for me. I can search for my damn note and then pull up 400 <laughs> notes that have that one word in it. <laughs> anyway, um, we are talking underdogs today. And first question for... Mm-hmm everyone here is what do you think is the definition of an underdog if you defined it that's a good question because we actually were debating that a little bit mm. well we actually oh. googled it <laughs> we had to yeah, google yeah. it we like, i think everybody on this what? call did that i did <laughs> yeah. that michelle I, did I that i confessed to kim it. i said i know that we came up with this whole underdog idea but then as i was looking but what the but f I was is like, 100 if i was gonna look up like <laughs> miriam webster's definition of an underdog and of course it all points back to sports and like someone who's who's not supposed to win and so that's a great question and i'm glad you guys had a debate how did your debate go as you were debating what an underdog was Mm, well muriel wanted to do fredo from the godfather because that's one of her favorite characters yes and then nick said that wasn't an underdog because he doesn't like win at the end and i was Uh, i mean i don't think that's i don't think that needs to be a part of the definition but I think that's. It sounds like it's a part of Nick's definition, right? Of an underdog, the underdog should win. Well, I was thinking the archetypes of film. I think it seemed (laughs) to me that (laughs) that underdog should. You should also root for them to win. Mm -hmm. I think that's like a big. I think it's like I think it's like a protagonist, Mm -hmm. good. You know the the hero kind of journey that eventually wins but i don't know because like cool runnings is a great one and they don't win right but they triumph in their own way yeah right 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 so it's like i I don't know muriel what do you think you think fredo is an underdog yeah i mean that's what i said you know i think fredo's i mean to me i'm like it doesn't matter if they win it's like are they the the person with the least favorable odds you know that's Ah. what i was thinking were you ever rooting for fredo to get him get his shit together and Clean up his act. Yeah, and, uh, I guess not be afraid. Go- <laughs> yeah, I mean, like he makes a big mistake, like a lot of very big mistakes, and at the end, you know, it's like you're like, let him into his mother's funeral. You know what I mean? Like, I was rooting for him, and when he does, everybody's like, yes, that's what makes his ending more tragic. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
I feel like for um, me, like uh, an underdog, I all I do want the underdog to win. Like I, but I, I want the underdog mm-hmm. to be that person who's like so underestimated. Everybody counts that character out. They don't think very much of him or her. Um, and so they're just mm-hmm. like, oh, this person's whether it's s- sports related or not. Oh, they're never going to win. And then against all odds, they do win. But I don't want them to win so hard that they become like the ultimate hero. Because then I'm like, I don't know that I root for them anymore. Like Cobra Kai is probably like a good example of right. that, right? <laughs> like I, I didn't. I, I, I wanted nothing more than Daniel San to win and Karate Kid. But now that he's won, I don't know that I like him so much anymore as his grown up self. Yeah, Monster. right. <laughs> Monster. That's a good question. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, I mean, Cobra Kai. Oh, man. Depending on the day, depending mm-hmm. on the episode, who's the underdog? Right? Well, uh, quick preview. We'll definitely talk about Cobra Kai season four in our part two. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think underdogs are so special because there is something, I don't know, there's something really sweet to be said about humanity mm-hmm. for wanting to cheer for the person who is unlikely is um not deemed uh i don't know the the most skilled the most resourceful the most this the most that um but wanting them to win uh and that i don't know what you know to me i'm like oh that gets me all choked up i was crying (laughs) you guys are gonna laugh once you hear my pick (laughs) why you're like kim you were crying (laughs) yes i was crying i don't care uh Uh, Because there's something so sweet to be said about humanity wanting to cheer for someone who um, doesn't have it all, but still can manage to win, whether it's winning the competition or the original goal they sought out Mm -hmm. to win Mm -hmm. or winning in some other capacity of their life, right? Mm Yeah, I think it like embraces like a certain nobility that is undeniable, you know, and and it's like it, there's something like inherently courageous yes. about yeah. that that uh, is really uh, heartwarming. I feel like I'm on some sort of team that's not correct. So <laughs> I pick my underdog <laughs> based on how we're all talking about this. I'm like Fredo. I, the one I picked is not going to be hitting <laughs> this thing, but I think. But it's, I think that's lovely to have understanding for a character Mm -hmm. um, that people, that is an underdog in a way, like that character Fredo is definitely an underdog, I think in like movie, in terms of like movie Mm -hmm. characters, right? Like a person that maybe you don't necessarily root for, or um, you are, you're just not exactly sure, uh, you know, uh, what are the words I'm looking for? You like want them to be better. Is that what I'm trying to say? It's like you, you're like, come on, Fredo, get your freaking life together. Right. And it, there's something to be said about someone rooting for that kind of person too. That kind of person who just can't get their shit together, but you still, you still want them to come out. But okay. I think also that there are some underdogs to maybe Muriel, your point is that there's some underdogs that I wouldn't say that Fredo is particularly likable. Now I'm not trying to hate on Fredo, but I feel like that was like a purposeful <laughs> way that they conveyed his character, oh. right? Like, y- you know, he's right. the underdog, yeah. but he's not necessarily likable. And I feel like there are underdogs that are likable and unlikable. And then there are characters that 
never get their shit together that make me laugh. And then somewhere I'm like, can this guy ever get his shit together that go immediately into the pile of <laughs> not rooting for that character anymore. So I think maybe that's like, and and there's an yeah. intentional purpose yeah. in them not, and they could be either end of like a spectrum. They could either be really likable or not. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also a really interesting, like I was debating picking Tony Soprano actually, because oh. in his world, he's sort of like, he would never consider himself the underdog. Of but, course. Right. But he is in the scope of like the different families and how right. they compare to New York and all this kind of stuff. And what he's, you know, going up against, you know, the FBI and, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. And like in this way, he is the most like alpha powerful dude who like no one can fuck with, but he also is like having this ridiculous uphill struggle with his family and like mm-hmm. every emotional relationship. And his mental yeah. health. Like and his, his like health. emotional yeah. and mental health. He's very much an underdog, right? He doesn't, right. he doesn't have his life together mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. And Ooh. I think like uh, Walt Whitman, is that his name? No, that's the Walter famous White guy. Yeah. Walter, Walter White. White. Uh, there you go. I got you. I was like, I wow, deep cut, Nick. Are we bringing in some literary sources? Poetry. I didn't Shit. do that kind of research for this episode. Yeah, not me. Uh, right, the Breaking Bad dude, whatever his name is. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Walter like, he's White, like, gotcha. He like starts as this great underdog, right? And then he transforms fully into like the anti-hero. You know, which is like yes. a whole other interesting way to consider. It's so good. Underdog. Yeah, yeah. Which sometimes you oh, root. He's so a perfect good. example of someone that you root for. And then like for me, sometimes I didn't. Like sometimes I was rooting for her. Yeah. And then there were episodes where I'm like, oh, well, sorry. Yeah. Like, sorry if you get caught. Yeah. <sighs> oh, God. Shit. We need to do like a Breaking Bad season <laughs> uh, because I could be here all day to talk about Breaking Bad, but we don't have all day to talk about Breaking Bad because we got to talk underdogs. But before we get into underdogs and we formally start the show, the last thing I will say about Breaking Bad <laughs> is that I love how the underdog changes, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. re- like, remember that episode where we where we get Gus Fring's backstory mm-hmm. and he's the underdog. Oh yeah. shit, man, that freaking blew my head off. That was so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, right. all, like just some of the best storytelling ever. Anyway, we don't need to talk about Breaking Bad anymore because we have to talk underdogs. Uh, and if you have a Breaking Bad underdog character that you love, let's, yeah, that's great. We're, we're gonna, we could talk about that. I'm just saying we need to move on. <laughs> let's go ahead and formally start the show. Welcome back to Crush Fictionally. You guys, we're talking underdogs today. Um, no one sang the underdog theme song. I am surprised. Um, <laughs> no one did. I don't, oh, I don't know even it. know what that is. What is it? I think I you need to sing the underdog theme, theme yeah, song. Yeah, Michelle, now you just put a spotlight on I yourself. I really did, yeah, and I, mean, I won't you know, make your ears bleed with my singing. But um, there was an old cartoon <laughs> called Underdog. No. 
guys know that? Is, am I the only one mm-hmm. underdog? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I had I don't a cartoon, the but I don't know. But there was like a theme like, song. Anyways, it was very day. involved. <laughs> and um, I was trying to see if I, because I was doing my Google search after the definition. And I was like, what would people consider like the, like an under underdog character, which led me to like a deep cut of every person who's ever had a blog about the underdog cartoon. And I was like, oh. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> and the theme song. Well, it's a whole community, apparently. Who knew? There's a whole subreddit Who for underdog. Knew? I don't know. I'm making that uh, up. Yeah. You could go find it. Just Google it. Anyways, welcome back. We're talking um, <laughs> underdog characters, underrated characters, maybe even, with Nick and Muriel from Hell in Your 30s and Muriel's Murders. Ooh. We're so excited. Um, but I have a, a question. Hmm. I know we were just talking about what kind of the definition of an underdog to all of us means. But as I was thinking of who I would pick for this, it made me think, could or is an underdog the main character? Or does that defeat the purpose of them being an underdog? Because there were some there were some characters that I was thinking of, and I was very close to picking Lucy from I Love Lucy and Ethel because they always get into like crazy scenarios and schemes oh, and they're yes. just like mm-hmm. getting into trouble mm-hmm. and Lucy just wants to you know be famous she wants to be in Ricky's show and but they never and I, I come on I just Ricky. do it just let her in the show and she never <laughs> you know all these hijinks and it let her in the show <laughs> it Ricky never works out you know from the chocolate making to the Vita Vita <laughs> Vegemin like but I was like if I said that <laughs> She's a main character. Is she really truly an underdog or is she just like, or or is she like an underdog that's also happens to be, you know, moving this whole, this whole storyline along. So I don't know. I had that dilemma of whether an underdog can be an actual main character or be like the hero in the story. I was confused by that as well. Mm. I decided to pick mine's, a main character of the story. Oh. Mine is too. Yeah. Okay. Because My- I, I was thinking technically mm-hmm. it should be an ancillary character, like or somebody who's like kind of a foil, right? Like that's how we normally oh. see them. It's like the loser who triumphs. That's what I think. Yeah. But I was like, I think I'm going to be bold and just say I really do think underdogs can be main characters. That's what I, I love. I that. definitely think they can be main characters. I mean, I think a lot of times, like if it's an underdog m- movie, like that's almost a whole oh, genre yeah. Yeah. of film across oh, different thing. Right. Yeah. So if that's the case, then for sure it's the main character, but like m- the one I'm going to choose is not a main character, but it also mm. isn't a story oh. that sort of spreads out the love between multiple characters. Um, but I definitely think there can be an love underdog it. sub arc in a, like a B or a C story in a, in a film or a TV show. Of yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Uh, quick question. Now that we're talking, mm. now that we've uh, clarified that, underdog can be whatever the heck you want it to be. Um, <laughs> have you got, do you guys have a fun story, a, a memorable story of being a clear underdog in a situation? Mm, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. What? Always. Nick and Muriel are making eyes at each other. Always coming from behind, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was on the only public school chess team to win a state championship when I was in like wow. 
fourth grade. I didn't realize we were that underdogs. That is an underdog until, story. I, we didn't think about it that way at all until they did a, they like the newspaper came and took a picture of us and we were all like, cool. Oh my God. Yeah. But I didn't realize, I think. And they were like, you're poor. When, <laughs> <laughs> you're underdogs. I don't, yeah. That was I the mean, title of the, the, I, just, the article. Let me take your you're picture. Poor, <laughs> yeah, poor right. kids, poor, poor kids win chess tournament. Poor underdog yeah. kids win every, chess tournament. Every 10 years, there has to be a good poor kid is good at chess story. Yeah. And these are them for now. <laughs> I have a school one, I think. Yeah. Uh, my school, <laughs> my poor, poor boy. <laughs> At my school, when I was a freshman in high school, I entered the mm. lip sync contest. <laughs> oh my God, yes. And Tell me I entered more. it and I am and always have been a very nerdy theater kid. And okay. my equally of very course. nerdy friend, Carrie and I, I made us both pants. I sewed them <laughs> yes. and they're bell-bottom pants yes. with wires yes. in the bottom. So they stay This is a movie. And then we lip synced uh, Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive, <gasps> right? Just the two of us. And oh, the my other, effing God. <laughs> so let me tell you the top three people who got <laughs> voted the top three was all of the yes, cool please. guys from the football team and the cheerleaders. They did Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> and then... <laughs> oh, my God. No, stop. And then two of the girls stop. that could do, like, flips and stuff like that did this, like, flip routine to Sock It To Me by Missy Elliott. <laughs> and then... Oh, my, friend, my God. And we won. <laughs> <laughs> the nerdy girls will yes. survive. We now, won. that's an that underdog story. definitely an the underdog The teachers story. got to vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. That and then, is. And then, fantastic. other than that, we're currently just living the life of waiting for our podcast to hit that top 100 on Apple Charts, baby. There you so go. You're in the middle there of an underdog go. story. Living that, living that underdog now. life. Yeah. Michelle and I feel you yeah. so hard. We feel we very so seen hard in that, in that department. Get that. <laughs> what about you guys? Michelle, do you have an. Yeah, do you have an underdog uh, story? <laughs> Yes, yeah, I do. you do. You're I do. You uh, do. When I I moved I moved to San Francisco and I didn't know a lot of people, so I was just telling the story over the weekend that um, I decided that I would sign up for sports. Now I don't consider myself like very athletic. Like I didn't play sports like in in, in <laughs> high school or college, but I was like, I'm going to do this to make friends and meet new people. And so um, I ended up joining this sports league and and meeting a bunch of people. And one of the guys in this on the team, the volleyball team that I was on was like, oh, do you want to come out and play flag football? Well, I never played flag football or football in my life. And I thought it was going to be like, uh -oh. I thought it was just like a ruse for let's go get day drunk. You wave a flag? No, I just thought like you just go and then you, you know, <laughs> oh, you have, it. you know, you goof around at the park and then you go and have beers in the afternoon and what a great weekend. And so I show right. up and I didn't know one that I was the only girl and two, not only the only girl has never played football before, but that they took it very seriously. Like it wasn't just a let's goof around. Oh it was oh, like shit. three hours of like yeah. a real workout of playing flag football. So anyways, I learned a lot um, and I did. Right. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. 
I did have a good time. But <laughs> They're like getting mad at each other for making mistakes. <laughs> no, they were very cool about it. They were very nice. I just didn't know that it was that. I just, it was like, wasn't that end of the spectrum? I just didn't really, I was like, oh, we're like really playing for like three hours. <laughs> like, we're like, it was very, and they were all really nice. But they were like drawing up plays and stuff in like a huddle. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. And then I remember one time they, they, they gave me the ball. Because I was just there trying to, like, you know, whatever, have fun. <laughs> You're like, I'm just, I'm just here. here having fun. And one time they gave me the I'm just a body. <laughs> they gave me the ball. And one of the guys in the group is kind of like a bigger guy, and he was running towards me. And I did it. I just remember having the ball in my hands going, I don't know what to do right now. And so he came <laughs> towards me, and I was going in one direction. And then just on instinct, I – changed and went the other direction and he didn't expect it so he fell down and he fell down hard and so all these group of guys were all oh, oh she juked oh, you she juked <laughs> and they were like going off and I like scored a touchdown and it was like a big thing and they would they've never let him live it down since it's been it, it, oh that's uh, awesome like remember Hell that time she juked you but once Fantastic. but twice and I was like I just thought he was gonna like really hurt me like I'm just trying to get away <laughs> that's awesome I love that that needs to be a movie both of you your know, stories under, need to be movies underdog <laughs> stories are great yeah. Yeah. these are like this is they like a real great. world example of 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 a heart filling with joy kim do you uh, have an underdog yeah. story you know it's so funny this is not meant to sound like a flex or a humble brag but i can't think i can't think of like a single underdog kim, story like, that i'm I've just been always in. the hero and i swear to god <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah I'm always on top. You know what I mean? I'm just always on top. My shit's always together. <laughs> shit's on point. No one can don't compete. No. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, I don't want to bring things down, but I think in life I've been the underdog in terms of like I came from a more um my my parents were like working class. My mom worked at Burger King. My dad did everything from washing windows to like being a security guard. I you know I was always the kid that you know whenever they asked for the fancy calculator for math class, I you know I did couldn't afford it. Whatever, I'd have to borrow a friend's mm -hmm. calculator. I think like in general, like I grew up kind of broke. Um, my parents were terrible with money, partially because they had just never had money, um, and. I, I think I was very much a poster child for someone who was going to grow up and like make poor decisions or whatever and maybe like be a teen mom or, you know, whatever, uh, whatever we deem in society to be this like negative thing and um, mm -hmm. what have you. And it's very... I shouldn't say funny, but I grew up with these girls and we were BFFs and like grade school BFFs and they were twins. And uh, sorry if you guys are happy, happen to be listening to this podcast. I highly doubt it. But um, they came from a, you know, a more uh, solid middle class family, uh, always had everything, the nicest of everything. And uh, and what's really interesting was uh this is going to sound so sad, but like uh, I remember very at a very young age, uh, my dad 
he they were brats they were total brats these girls and my dad basically was like i'm not taking their shit and he was like you can't behave that way in my house and they got mad went to their mom and then quote unquote told on my dad for basically disciplining them and telling them to not be brats or whatever and i had called them because they hadn't been returning my calls and they finally picked up the phone and one of them was like, oh, we can't talk to you anymore. Our mom says we can't talk to you anymore. Ugh. And I, granted, I'm like probably nine years old at this point, max eight, eight or nine years old. And yeah. I hear their mom yelling in the background. Now, she was also very unstable, this woman. Um, and then she gets on the phone and she starts yelling at me. <sighs> I'm eight or nine what? years old <laughs> yeah, and she right. and it's it's an, an experience i'll never forget but she yelled at me and she was like she was like you're you guys are trash your parents are trash um you're poor blah 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 hung up the phone and the craziest part is that i've grown up to have this is not a flex again but i think a very happy successful life um, and those twin girls, I don't think so much, um, which is very unfortunate. This is a very sad story and I didn't mean to bring it down. Uh, we're going to talk about like, girl, no, but, like, I, I say, feel I can, like I relate to that. I can relate to yeah. that. Literally. Yeah. I was the same girl. Mm. Oh. I definitely had the same conversations with like a voice whose mom told him not to hang out with <gasps> me because when I was a friend, same age, cause, uh, I don't know, like we're trashy. The same exact conversation. Oh, like, who wow. are these people? Like, yeah. I know. You're like, who? You're, you're like, trash. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You are trash, of course. Uh, you know, talk to my little eight year old self wasn't, like you know. That. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Like, talk about like, like super trashy. You. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's shit. so. But like, you know, I don't, you know, it's one of those things where as an adult now, I look back on that woman and I'm like, you're crazy. Like, why? who yeah. thinks that that's okay to talk to a child that way uh, yeah. and think that somehow you're better because, quote unquote, you have more money than my family or whatever. It's like, it's the most laughable thing when I really look back on it because she worked at a laundromat. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, if we're really right. looking okay, on money bags, laundromat, <laughs> like just cool it with the trash talk, you know? It's just like, yeah, what the right. fuck? But anyway, I guess they used credit cards a lot or something. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but I wonder but, if um, that, I think, I, I mean, I think that's really interesting because I wonder if that's why we gravitate towards stories about underdogs. I mean, I think about I mean, Kim and Muriel, you telling those stories. And I just am like, oh, that would like if, if your life was a, if a TV show or a movie, I'd be rooting for you so hard. Like I grew up where mm -hmm. uh, my dad is from the Philippines. Uh, he had, I didn't notice it growing up, but he had an accent. And I, and now looking back on it, I think of all the times he was mm -hmm. like treated weirdly or talked to like uh, talked down people mm. would talk down to him people would definitely treated him different because of the way he looked he had really dark skin and he had this accent and people would treat him like he was so stupid and so maybe there's this part of me like deep down where I'm <sighs> always like oh I want the guy who like no one expects to like win out to like beat everybody and so maybe mm -hmm. that's why I like underdog stories so yeah. so much and I like that that 
I, I don't know. I think in some of what we're talking about today, like the humility of it is that like, I think why I want underdogs to win is because they're not the hero and they're not like someone who expects anything to happen or has like that confidence that turns into arrogance. They've got like nothing to lose and they're going to work really hard to get it. And I was like, you know, that's a person that I'm rooting for. So maybe it's some like childhood thing deep down that resonates with me too. I think because we've sure. all been there in some capacity. Look, we gotta, we gotta get into it, folks. We've been making people <laughs> wait for long enough. Nick and yes. Muriel, you are our special guest. You guys get to go first. Up to you to fight over who wants to go first. <laughs> but who is your favorite fictional underdog? Uh, you can go first. Okay, I'll go first. Well, right now at the moment. I forget his last name, but Charlie. my guy is Sam from <laughs> Game of Thrones. We were talking about Game oh, of Thrones. Sam. I think he's a great, Sam. great underdog. He's, 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 first of all, he looks the part, right? Oh, totally. You know, mm-hmm. he's a big fluffy dude who's got goofy hair and no jaw. <laughs> and he's like, what? Stutters. He's got the eyes. Yeah, exactly. Like he's ridiculous. Like it's just, you know, he's just like pitch perfect casting for that. And in that world, especially, right. he's mm-hmm. really like... Oh my God. You know, so far out right. of the norm. And, uh, and he's, you, when you, as soon as you meet him, he's been like thrown out from his, by his family. Like his father's disgusted with him. He has nothing. He's not good at anything. Right. And, no. and then, and then Jon Snow kind of throws him a bone a little bit and it just gives him a little bit of hint of humanity. And then from there on, he just sort of on instinct, he's a hero. Mm-hmm. He's a hero. He's just like a true hero. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he is. And, I'm, and uh, who couldn't be in love with Sam? So that's my guy. I love Sam. Oh, I love <laughs> Sam. What a great that's pick. That's a great pick. Oh, that is fantastic. Oh, man. Sam, yeah, what a great character arc. When I think about Game of Thrones, man, I, I mean, listen, we need a whole season to talk about that last season, but we're not going to do that. Is that that's a whole that's a different podcast. However, yeah. what I will say about Game of Thrones is that the character arcs on that show are incredible. Like For every sure. single character goes through this crazy journey, um, huge transformations across the board, and Sam is no exception. Well, because when that is a great sure. when we first meet Sam, he's kind. You he comes on screen, and we all had the same thought. We're like, oh, this doofus. Like you know, you think he's going to be kind of like a throwaway <laughs> character, right? Because you, because to Nick's point, yeah. you know, he's kind of like this fluffy guy, bad hair, and we're used to seeing like Jon Snow and all these other hotties, and we're just like, who's this fool coming in, Sam? We're not going to care about him. And then you get like a yeah. couple seasons in, and you're like, oh, I want the, I want everything for Sam to align and have things work out for him because they, he really is a character, and they really created yeah. this character out of him as someone you root for for sure and he like realizes so many of the things that he felt like were not available to him at all he's brave he actually succeeds Mm -hmm. in like combat Mm -hmm. he gets the girl yes he he has a family that he is proud of he uh becomes like the main meister or whatever it's called like the wise man (laughs) with the weird dress and like a seat at the table and brand the broken like he gets all the things and he takes risks along the whole the, the whole way he breaks tons of rules 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he like goes against the Citadel dude that he's under, uh, studying under to like rip off all the skin from the grayscale guy who's in love with Khaleesi. You know, like he just he 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 mm. he marches to the beat of his own drum in a way that I think is a cool part of like the underdog thing. Like if you, I don't know what other people's choices are, but a lot of time it's like if it's like the cool runnings or Rudy or something. It's a lot of times people are like the reason oh they're God, cool. counted out is because the whole world tells them they can't do it. Right. So it's yeah. like this rejection yeah. of it's a rejection of rules and norms in this way. And like this embracing of like, this is who I am. And like, you know, there it's like badass to, you know, on this, uh, like rebel level. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and I love it. I also Ooh, really like Theon. I, I thought Theon was a great, uh, underdog story oh because God, what's cool Theon. about Theon Boy. is he's like, kind of sad and pathetic and then he does like all the worst things and kind of like he he gets what is coming to him and then worse and then to watch him like pull out of that and then at the end have like Mm -hmm. this redemption redemption you know um Mm -hmm. and and he becomes an underdog in this way of like you know the thing that he wants is any sort of dignity you know, any sort of pride and any sort of like acceptance. Mm. And then he gets it at the end. Brand says, you're a good man, you know? And he, and, and in that moment and at the end and yeah. everything he's done, he, he is that it's like, you know, scoring the touchdown when Michelle juke that corny ass dude, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like you get it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I was, I was like between Theon and Sam, but I definitely feel like Sam is, is uh, a, a true iconic underdog who I totally love. He is. I like iconic underdog. He really is. You had me, uh, you had me, you just reminded me of like a thought that I've been trying to process and I'll try to put this into words, but I was, having a conversation with someone recently about drive and being driven, right? Being a driven person and wanting to go Mm -hmm. after something. And, you know, we were talking about something or some whatever, somebody, I don't know. But um, I basically was like, oh, you know, if you want to, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way to do Mm -hmm. it, right? I think you will find a way to do it if you are driven enough. And the person I was talking to said, yeah, but sometimes fear gets in the way. Like someone's fear is strong enough to prevent them from going after the thing, fear of failure, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, but I feel like there's like, if you are driven enough, you, I don't want to say ignore the fear, but the fear doesn't overcome you, right? Because underdogs or anybody they're not fearless right um they're not without fear they have fear i think everybody who's gone after something has fear uh, is scared of failure or whatever it might be um but the drive is just too strong in you to to not let the fear overcome you does that make sense <laughs> Did I verbalize my yeah. thoughts in a way that makes sense I think it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It does. I mean, I think sometimes that like that notion can be romanticized, especially in the fictional world, right? So like that sort of romantic, like the person, I mean, that's why they make movies and they're wildly successful and everyone goes to see them because they're almost as unbelievable as dragons flying through the air sometimes, (laughs) right? It's like this, you know, this crazy, like, you know, against all odds, (laughs) driven past everything, they did it. You know, like we all do that on like little levels, right? And then 
Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. And I think also, especially like in like our line of work or our line of ambition and like kind of hustle culture things, a lot of times that gets sort of like romanticized and packaged at us. Like, Oh, you know, but if you were, if you just worked a little harder and if you were just a little less susceptible to all those like needling things that are like minuscule, but add up, you would actually be like further or better. You know what I mean? Right. Like in real life, sometimes it plays out as like a Uh mask for meritocracy or whatever, where you're like, oh yeah, it's your fault. You didn't do it. But sometimes that's not true for a lot of people. Oh, no, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, that's not true at all. We want we want it to be. You know, right. It's very fun to think like yeah. I can do yeah, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> right. So it's like a crazy it's yeah, a crazy I, tight tightrope to yeah. walk, you know. It is a tightrope, yeah. it totally is. And it, it had me thinking about like another like characteristic I would add to an underdog is just conviction. They always seem to have some sort of conviction or belief in themselves. Mm-hmm. Um that even against all these odds, even against all the naysayers, they're like, no, I can still do this or whatever. And it's like that drive, that drive within them that looks past the fear. Because I think there are plenty of times that Sam has been in very scary situations where I'm sure he was shitting himself um, and still, you know, had to keep moving with his purpose and um, his goal in mind. So I love this character yeah. pick of oh, Sam. Oh, that's a good pick. Muriel. I mean, I, yeah, I feel like, well, shit, mine's going to be so like, lame. Yeah, mine's real lame now, guys. Good luck to me later on. <laughs> uh, whatever. Well, whatever. My, you've never Spectrum. even heard of mine. <laughs> no. I don't believe it. <laughs> okay. It is. <laughs> listen, I just made a big, bold choice. You know, I have conviction love that it. I followed it. Yeah. 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 There you go. Just like an underdog yeah, you would. Take that conviction, run with it. <laughs> I'm feeling a little insecure, but I'm going to just do it, okay? Don't so, there's this movie that I've watched. My dad used to watch, play it for us when we were, I don't know, teenagers. It's a VHS. I kept it with me for years. I've seen this movie like I probably 15 or 16 times, like over and over again, a few times a year. Oh my God. It's called Doll Man. Have you heard of this movie called no. Doll Man? No. Okay, so it was made. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't have heard about it. It's, it's a B Uh-oh. movie. It's a very small niche B. It's okay that you have it. You're not. I love this movie so much, and I'm just gonna do this because this guy is the ultimate underdog. Okay, so it's a B movie. It's a sci-fi movie, and it's about okay. a guy. Okay, his name is Brick Bardo, and he's a cop. Brick Bardo, a, yes. Mm-hmm. And he lives in another dimension. And one of the things about him is that he has the most powerful gun in the universe. And then he has a magnet like implanted in his hand. So if anybody steals his gun, he can get the gun back. Right. So that's important. (gasps) He was doing Thor with a hammer before anybody then. Exactly. (laughs) 1991. (laughs) And then (laughs) the plot of the whole thing is that... (laughs) Uh, he has an arch nemesis. His name is Sprug, and this guy has uh, he's a he's a floating head, and he is in this contraption, and it hoverboards him around, and they fight, and they get uh, long story short, they get in this huge fight in the desert, and they're trying to kill each other, and so they jump in these spaceships and they go, and they say, you know, like if you go into this, you know, time hole, this time dimension hole. You're going to die. And he says, I don't give a fuck. I'm, I want to die. Right. And they go into this time hole and they end up in 
the Bronx in New York City in 1991 oh God, yes. <laughs> in the middle of okay. a drug war. Okay. <laughs> so it's a bunch of okay, drug yeah. wars. Um, okay. Except the time hole shrunk them. So he's only 12 inches tall. <gasps> Ah, so it's honey i shrunk the kids yeah oh. uh, meets like narcos meets oh yeah. narcos. this is hilarious meets so narcos i can't the i'm not gonna take them all the time to like like explain the whole plot to you but basically he's like this badass cop but he's only uh 12 inches tall and he has to say I get the role. name yeah. now because I kept. I, yeah, I, was, I, was, I didn't want to stop you yeah. from telling that summary. <laughs> I was like, "How did Doll I was Man?" Like, Is it Doll? I wrote that down wrong because yeah. I was like, "Doll Man." I wrote that down. It can't be that. But now I see <laughs> it Man. is that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, how could a twelve-inch man survive? Overcome the odds. Yeah, in a, in a crack war, and and the whole time. <laughs> The drug lord's just being like, he's a little man. <laughs> he can't oh kill you, God. but he still has that gun. And the gun is really powerful, even though it's <laughs> That small. gun's so super like, powerful. Yeah, they'll tease him and then he'll shoot them and their whole arm will blow off. And they'll all be like, what? You know, like, how did this happen? And it this just keeps is, happening. Wow. I'm looking it up as we speak. Okay, doll man. Oh, yeah, the synopsis. my God. <laughs> This poster, though, it's pretty <laughs> epic. This is great. The, the logline is fantastic. I, would, I, I love. What's the logline? Man, Hollywood's great sometimes. An alien, an alien policeman gets tough on Earth, where everyone's a giant because he's thirteen inches tall. <laughs> <laughs> and that's great. It's That's really fantastic. dramatic too. Just by the way, it's like hella dramatic. So <laughs> it's got to be. Wow. Online. Uh, oh, he like hooks up with God. this girl, and he's like, "Have you ever been with a twelve-inch man?" Yeah, or thirteen. No. Man. Stop. That's actually the the last line in the movie after he rescues her <laughs> before they roll credits. Oh <laughs> my God! I'm thirteen-inch man. <laughs> I'm definitely watching this. This is fantastic. Okay, where is it available? On Tubi? Right. I can watch it on Tubi <laughs> or Amazon that, Prime for two ninety nine. Maybe you can find it on iTunes it. for three ninety nine. I'm saying it's like Audience, now one you of my know. favorite movies. Yeah. And Muriel, you still have it on <laughs> I VHS? <can't> wait. <laughs> I, it's in a storage somewhere. I have it in a box at my mom's house, but I have it now on YouTube. I've been able to find it. So if I have to talk okay. to people about how good it is, then I play it off of YouTube. Oh my God. That is fantastic. Talk about being an underdog, being 13 mm-hmm, inches yeah. on earth. Oh <laughs> yeah. boy. I know it. Yeah. How do you do I that? I know a joke that kind of goes along with this movie. This guy walks into a bar and, um, he walks into a bar and he, <laughs> the bartender says, uh, oh, we've got this magic lamp and you can make any wish you want. So he rubs the magic lamp and he goes, the genie comes down and he goes, genie, I wish for <laughs> a, a million bucks. And just like that in the bar, there's a million ducks. There's all these ducks and they're flying around <laughs> and they're like shitting on the bar and it's absolute mess. And so the guy turns to the genie and the bartender and he's like 
what's going on? I I said a million bucks, not a million ducks. And the other guy next to him at the bar goes, do you really think that I wished for a 12 inch pianist? And there's like a 12 inch man on the bar playing the piano. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Muriel, it's a good joke. Uh, I well, can we also talk about this like layer also too of underdogness with B movies? Yes, There's, a B movie is the underdog of film, right? The underdog of Hollywood. <laughs> like, uh, what was that mm-hmm. one that my boyfriend made me watch recently? Oh, damn it! It's about like. He like gets chemicals poured on him. Oh shit! It's like a faint. It's got like a cult to- following. Toxic Avenger. Yes, thank you. That's the one. He made me Us watch. Us boyfriends that. know what's up. You know, us boyfriends. We you all have do. a little talk. You yeah, we have do. a little. Uh, you have text information chain, you know? that I don't have. That's <laughs> text chain. Hey guys, you guys checking out the latest toxic event? Toxic. Well, they're doing a reboot. Did you hear that they're actually doing like a serious reboot? Yes. Nice. Um, but anyway, like talk about like the room and stuff like yeah. that, like these B movies that go on to be these hits in their own right. Um, yeah, I like man, we're getting really into like philosophical layers here in terms of underdogness, <laughs> but I, I but think there's something to be said about that, mm-hmm. right? There is, yeah. I, like Nick and I have this long standing argument, and I have somebody that I do not think will be listening to this podcast in my life who self-published a book who I'm related to Mm -hmm. and it was really bad right and it Mm -hmm. was all about Mm -hmm. how they are the most awesome person and even though they're (gasps) in their late 50s they have a lot of sex with 18 year olds Uh Uh like are really excited about him it's a lot of that and then everyone loves him when he talks and it's the most it's an insane self-published book he's also doing another one about child or what is it? <laughs> no, it's about. It's literally about uh, it's autobiography. It's about. Um, well, so it's about surgical nurses. Oh. <laughs> Listen, the whole thing what? is insane. But Nick and I got into this huge <laughs> fight about it because he published it and he put it in the world. And fundamentally, to me, after creating things for like my entire life. I think if you put it in the world, it has a life of its own. And if something is objectively entertaining, even if it wasn't the intention, I think it deserves to be like heralded as being objectively entertaining for the reasons why we think it is. That's how I feel about it. But it's also kind of Mm -hmm. mean, right? Because I was like, let's do staged readings. This is the funniest thing. People come (laughs) over, I make them read it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's he wrote it in seriousness, like his own almost autobiography, if you will. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. So it kind of that's what's happened with the Mm -hmm. room. Yeah, exactly. Right. Staged readings, Mm -hmm. you know, meet the, you know, meet the cast type, you know, shows were, you know, happen like we're happening annually uh, pre-pandemic. I 100% agree with you, Muriel. I think there's something to be like, you know, good on you. You know, good on you that you put something out there. (laughs) It's shit. (laughs) <laughs> but it's got it's got an entertaining quality to it, right? I think Shit. right. So for like my thing is that we're literally only laughing at it, right? Mm-hmm. There's not like the bent yeah. of like, oh well, you know, good for you or whatever. There isn't a really good for you vibe to it. <laughs> it's it's like a straight up we're laughing at it because it is 
sad. But I, so I'm a bitter creator, right? In that I'm like, I have made so many bad things, like, and great oh, things. Same here, girl. But it's like, it's out there. You know what I mean? And like, being an artist uh-huh. is hard. And if you want to say you write books, then you got to take the good with the bad. <laughs> and it's like, you, you do have to take the good. Yeah. You write a misogynist book. Also, then too, you're need, you know. <laughs> about surgical <laughs> nurses so weird yeah um but like uh nick going back to your point who's yeah. really laughing if someone's making money off that like right who well at this the end guy is day? not yeah. this guy well, is not he's making I mean, nothing yet <laughs> and so that is true right unless we publicly make fun of him mean enough then everyone will think like this is hilarious and right? he becomes a mean. i mean yeah yeah you know i mean i don't know i from my understanding the guy who made the room to me is still like this tragic figure. Yeah. Like I I still think he doesn't the obtuseness or whatever the, that led him to creating that like in this real way where he truly believed in it is still intact enough where he can't fully absorb the, the reality of the ramifications of what his work has created, (laughs) you know? Yeah, Like I still think that he, I still think that he, it doesn't like I don't think that he grasps that people are laughing at him. You know, like mm. I think that maybe he gets part of that, but I don't know that he fully understands that it's like that his work is like the butt of the joke. Like I th- I really think that he right. that was not his intention was to be the butt of the joke by any means, but I feel like there's right. that there's a you know chasm there between like what he really wanted to yeah. happen and how he wanted to be famous versus how he really is famous and how people are like you know really busting on him. Yes. Oh, man. It's like mean, right? I mean, I agree. It's like tragic, but at the same time I think that there's something to be said for people who are like, like, you know, your like uncle or whatever who's like, oh yeah, I should do stand up comedy. I'm really funny. And I'm like, go bomb a hundred yeah. times and then yeah. come back and like, it's like, there's a lot, like, it's not all upside to make a movie, man. You're going to make a bad no. movie and you have to live with it being in the, like, yeah. that's a, to me, that's a part of being a creator. It's like right. the vulnerability of mm-hmm. being like, you did it. Now you got to lie. Right. And yeah. what you're kind of suggesting Whoops. too is like the audacity of creating something yeah. should imply a certain level of um, like stability in order to handle criticism. But I don't know that that's true. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that's the underdog portion of it. Uh-huh. I'm saying that the underdog portion is like creating anything. You're always going to be the underdog and you got to be able to take that in order to like really get that ball, make that touchdown. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to right, be right. able to like <laughs> handle <laughs> You don't uh, have to be stable. You just have to be Teflon, kind of. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Oof, oof. I mean, talk about like all these layers here. The creator of the room, definitely underdog. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Michelle, do you want to go next or shall I go, go ahead. next for my favorite underdog? Good. All right. Guys, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, take a little bit of a left turn. Uh, I When this movie came out, I absolutely loved it. Um, it is Pixar's second film out the gate. You may remember A Bug's Life. Yeah. I absolutely love the character of Flick. Now, if you haven't seen A Bug's Life or if you don't remember it, first of all, highly recommend it. It's on Disney Plus, of course. Um, it is about a young, clumsy, but really smart ant. And he lives in an ant colony. And this poor ant colony gets 
harassed every year by a flock of grasshoppers, bad, bad <laughs> grasshoppers, who forced them to farm food for them every year. Now, unfortunately, Sweet Flick, who is a bit of a klutz, a lot of a klutz, seen as the village idiot, somehow <laughs> screws up and and uh, loses all the food they collected for the grasshoppers for that year. And now they're panicking because they're like, how are we going to, they're going to come here. They're going to kill us. We don't have their food. All their food just dropped into the river. We're screwed. Flick, of course, being ingenious, having that conviction is like, I'm going to figure it out. He goes to the ant leadership, the ant queen, the ant princess and pleads to them. Hey, let me go find warriors to help fight off the grasshoppers. Like I, you know, if you just let me go out there, I will find people who can fight on our behalf, bigger, better animals, bigger, better insects, um, so that they never come back and harass us ever again. And the royal family uh, is like, well, uh, this is a crazy idea, but it means we get rid of him. Uh, and maybe he might never come back because, you know, he screwed up our life once uh may, let's just get rid of him he's never going to find warriors well of course flick being ingenious and having you know i think sometimes a bit of dumb luck also comes into play mm -hmm. with underdogs mm -hmm. um goes on this journey and i won't give too much away but he <laughs> he we meet this band of circus insects <laughs> and they put on a circus insect show it sounds crazy but it's so cute the jokes are endless in this movie there's so many bug puns it's fan freaking tastic anyway uh one of the bugs gets into a fight with a fly things start to unravel and the local uh <laughs> and the local bean can slash bar that the insects <laughs> hang out at and it turns into a row uh flicks just so happens to show up and he sees like what looks like the circus insects having won a bar fight and it's so brilliantly done it's so beautiful and he and you know we see this beautiful picture of what looks like these warrior insects but really it was just a happy accident um and flick is like please you gotta come back with me my colony needs you i've been looking for people just like you and the circus insects are like oh my god an agent <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, right, right. A talent agent part. scouting us. It's fan freaking tastic. It's a lot of like uh mis you know uh mishaps and uh you know uh poor communication and it's so damn good. And Flick, uh, he's just the he I think he is uh the perfect underdog because he does lack certain things, but he, he makes up for it in other ways. And I think that's kind of another mm -hmm. undertone that we've all been kind of like uh, not exactly hitting on uh, the nail on the head. But, you know, there is something they make up for what they lack in some other capacity. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And Flick has ingenuity. He is smart. 
He may not realize just how clumsy or pathetic he can be sometimes, but that doesn't hold him mm-hmm. back. And so anyway, uh, it's very, very cute. The the circus insects, of course, show up uh, thinking they're putting on a circus show <laughs> for this ant colony. The ant colony thinks that they've got a band of warriors to fight off the grasshoppers and insanity <laughs> ensues. And it's very sweet. Um, and... Uh, Guys, let me just say, this movie teaches you a lot about our society, about power structures. The leader of the grasshopper is played by Kevin Spacey. God. Mm. Sigh, Kevin Spacey. Um, (laughs) But, you know, you got to hand it to him. He plays a great villain. He is the villain in this. He plays the leader of the grasshoppers. And at one point, the grasshoppers are living their best life. They've flown off. They've already given their threat. You know, not only, you know, have you screwed up, you don't have our food. Well, now you got to come up with double the food. They fly off and you see that they're living the high life. They're like hanging out at the cantina. They're drinking. They're singing. They have everything they need. And... One of the other grasshoppers says to Hopper, the leader, you know, why do we even go back? Why do we even need to do this to the ants? We don't even we don't even need their food. We have all this food. We have plenty. And Hopper says, you let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit, man. This is like (laughs) so philosophical about life and like power structures and money and just our society and capitalism. And I'm like, oh, God, a bug's life going so deep with me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would just say like a few fun facts and then I'll move on. But. There's an all-star cast here, baby. If I didn't already entice you with an insect circus, I don't know what's going (laughs) to entice you, but maybe this all-star cast of Dave Foley, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Hayden Panettiere, I never knew how to pronounce her last name, Joe Romft, Phyllis Diller, (laughs) come on, may she rest in peace, right? (laughs) David Hyde Pierce, Dennis Leary, Bonnie Hunt, Brad Garrett, Richard Kind, just to name a few. Um... So, fun fact, after the success of Pixar's first film, Toy Story, they knew they needed to go big. So, uh, A Bug's Life had a footage rendering server that was seven times as large as the one they used on Toy Story. And the movie also had 23 more animators, over 60 more shots, and about 270 more models and shaders, and 1,055 more feet literally characters' feet than toys. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. I believe that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so cute, right? Oh, my God. And so there was, um, there were, like, a total of 400 crowd scenes in the final film. And, like, you look at all these ants and you're like, damn, that's a lot of freaking ants. So apparently yeah, right. they had about, <laughs> right, 25 to 1,000 ants per shot. And Pixar being Pixar, because they're incredible, made sure that each ant was individual by fully animating them, which is crazy. The amount of work that Pixar puts into their films obviously shows. It's like watching, I don't know, looking into another realistic dimension to me. 
Um, they hand painted 300 pieces of concept art. Um, they uh, based the original concept on Aesop's fable, the ant and the grasshopper. Um, mm -hmm. And the editorial team is the longest running department on the movie, working from story development all the way to final delivery. So uh, getting all the way up to final production, they received over 50,000 deliveries and handed over 40,000 feet of film and tracked wow. over a million elements in their post-production software. That is crazy. Crazy. <laughs> that is super crazy. But anyway, Flick, A Bug's Life. Uh, my God, I love this movie. I rewatched it today. I was like laughing out loud because the puns are fantastic. <laughs> you will blink and you will miss a pun. Like it is, the jokes are so sly. You have to pay attention. Don't ever take your eyes off the screen or your ears off the screen because you'll miss a good joke. It's so good. I love I it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love who plays it. Who plays Flick? Dave who's, who's the actor? Oh, Dave Foley. Good for him, man. Mm. He's right. Is that like, I feel like he's not getting a lot of lead gigs, is he? Yeah, I think he, I think, I, I don't know too much. Uh, I like quickly went through his IMDb, but it seems yeah. like he's been doing uh, a lot of voiceover maybe but honestly mm -hmm. i don't really know too much i can't speak too much to it but yeah. i was kind of shocked because he has a recognizable voice but like not one that i was like oh yeah that's dave foley and then um of mm -hmm. course i looked it up and i was like oh shit and the rest yeah, of he's the, doing this great. cast yeah exactly he, he's he like might be an underdog that's what yeah. i was wondering I was like, yeah, underdog, but i don't know if you're starring in a hollywood movie you're not that big. <laughs> like maybe, maybe you're fine. in the grand scheme of hollywood right yeah, yeah. yes yeah. perhaps 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 i have compassion for dave yeah. Foley. Uh, how can you not how can you not um yeah the pixar I, I remember seeing this movie i think i was in college when this movie came out was i I was obsessed. I was like, oh, my God, this movie's so good. Um, Dennis Leary playing a ladybug is everything I need um, <laughs> in life. He's just so funny. Uh, they give him, like, the girliest face, and it's like a running joke that right? <laughs> he's a male la ladybug. <laughs> it's so good. And he's got, uh, such, he's got the perfect voice for it, too. He does like he's constantly threatening people. He has a really sweet arc where like uh, the the little like what is their local Girl Scout troop, but they're called the Blueberries. <laughs> I think uh, they basically make him their leader, and it's very sweet because he doesn't want to do it. But by the end, he's like they all love him, and he loves them, and it's so sweet. <laughs> anyway, that's my pick this week. I love it, Michelle. Who do you got? Well. When it comes to an underdog story, I think this is a case for Burt Macklin, FBI. Uh, if you guys don't know who Burt <laughs> Macklin is, you weren't watching any of Parks and Rec. And since we've got two <laughs> lovely guests here today, I picked Leslie Nope. And I also picked Andy Dwyer from Parks and Recreation. I think that Leslie yes. Nope is Very an good. underdog when we meet her. She's having a hard time running the parks department. Nobody wants mm -hmm. to listen to her or pay her attention. She's always getting dismissed. But she is the sweetest character, and she never gives up. And very rarely do we see her crack and, like, 
be sad and let it get the best of her. She's always trying to convince people that doing the right thing is the best thing. So Leslie Nope is at the top of my list because Mm. she's got some really great qualities and talk about conviction and never giving up. She never wants to give up on this whole idea of taking this pit and making this big old pit in the middle of Pawnee, Indiana and making (laughs) it into a park. (laughs) And speaking of the pit, Andy is the one, Andy Dwyer is the one who fell in the pit and broke <laughs> fall in the pit. both of his legs. Um, <laughs> when we first meet Andy, he's um, Ann Perkins' <laughs> boyfriend and just kind of a mess. He just staying at home, playing video games, and Ann is doing everything. And then she wises up and dumps him. And we just see him in these incredible scenarios of trying to win uh, – Anne's heart back and become kind of not such a doofus. Like he's trying to learn something and mature. And sometimes he takes a step forward and sometimes a couple steps back. But I think that Andy is so sweet. I have to say that this might be my favorite Chris Pratt because he was to quote Nick a little bit fluffy when we meet him. Mm -hmm. And He's not very smart. (laughs) And he's he's just trying to like figure it out. And even when he's being oh so dumb, um, and it's so obvious, he's it still hasn't occurred to him about like how dumb and foolish he's being. So um I <laughs> I like his character arc that he gets a relationship with April and that he kind of comes into his own, that he kind of like owns this goofiness. And I like that um, at the same time, Leslie's character goes from being kind of like this throwaway, oh, I don't know if I'm really rooting for her, where you're like, you want her to be successful. And she becomes much more independent and trying to you know, forge her career and, and eventually and being a mom and, and trying to have it all, but it's very realistic. So I like both of their character arcs very much. Um, mm. Chris Pratt as Andy Dwyer, like I said, my favorite Chris Pratt. I always only want him to be Andy Dwyer. Um, he His band <laughs> is called Mouse Rat, um, which actually like a, a new a real <laughs> yeah, album yeah, is right. coming out under the Mouse Rat name that you could go like buy in um, the summer. I was <laughs> he gets a job um, running the shoe <laughs> polishing stand at um, Pawnee City Hall, um, and his, alt- right, his, right. his yep. alter ego mm-hmm, is Bert mm-hmm. Macklin. Also, Bert Macklin's brother Kip Hackman. Um, he's Johnny Karate, Jonathan Karate, <laughs> and Sergeant Thunderfist, MD. Um, he improvised a lot of the show that we actually didn't see. So he, they cast him because he had a funny wow. part apparently on the OC, and um, Andy was just supposed to be like a side character that never made it into like a main character role. But they liked the way that that Chris. played him so much that they kept him Um, and there were a lot of improvised moments we didn't see there were three that made it on film Um, one is uh, Mike Schur's Michael Schur who's one of the creators it's his favorite it's in season three and uh, it's called flu season and they're trying to figure out um, 
if Leslie Nope is sick and the symptoms that she has. So Andy types her symptoms into the computer, but he doesn't do it right. And his famous quote, which is completely improvised, he says, I typed your symptoms into the thing up here. And it says that you could have network connectivity issues. And the line <laughs> was just, <laughs> and he said it and everybody loved it so much that it stayed in, they, they kept it in the show. And then there's another episode called The Debate. And he was supposed to talk about the, the movie Roadhouse, which we've actually talked about on this podcast. And in the script, it says <laughs> that Andy just talks about Roadhouse, but in the actual show itself that uh, Chris Pratt decided to do a dramatic interpretation instead of just talking about Roadhouse. And it wasn't like complete. It wasn't planned at all. And then he smashes a TV, which was not in the in the script either. <laughs> he did it. Um, <laughs> the thing that the third thing that that's a pretty bold improvise. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. And what, that's not like slipping a little line in there. He's like that. Prop hopefully that was broken. a shitty prop TV. <laughs> What's yeah, funny right. is if anybody's interested, you can go like onto YouTube and search like Andy Dwyer um, bloopers. And it's just like blooper after blooper of Chris Pratt trying out lines. And some of them are obviously so inappropriate. You know why they didn't make them in or he's broken something or he's doing like such insane <laughs> physical like, comedy no. that Amy Poehler starts laughing. So it's very funny. It'll You'll cry laughing. Your face will hurt because he's so hysterical and so perfect for it. Um, there's one scene where he thinks that Anne is trying to get back together with him. So he goes to Anne's house and he's trying to like seduce her. So he's like takes off all his clothes and Leslie shows up and Andy's naked. And the scene called for Chris Pratt to be in like nude underwear, but he decided to take them off. And so in the scene, <laughs> her reaction to seeing Andy naked is truly because he's naked. And so then finally NBC was like, you got to stop with the improvising. Like <laughs> you need to tone it down. So. Yeah, they right. had, that's why we only saw back. like a couple of scenes of his um, <sighs> improvising. But I loved it. I love it so Hilarious. much. It's one of my, there's one scene where he's trying to hammer something into a wall and he's on a, a oh my desk God, chair yeah. with wheels on it. And just like the setup to that is so <laughs> funny. And then, then he hurts himself and the whole going to the doctor because he obviously hit his head because the the chair wasn't stable. But talk about what an underdog. He's such a doofus, but I root for him every time. I will say that, that <laughs> both he and Leslie have little hearts of gold. Like their hearts generally, hers especially, are always yeah. in the right place. She's like your ultimate ride or die girlfriend there and has your back. And I love that. I love that mm -hmm. that she's always so positive and doesn't give up. Um, I think that's an admirable admirable quality something i wish i was more positive like that as as how positive she is and he is just <laughs> such a goof like that when i watch like totally i totally binged all the seasons not too long ago and i was like this has got to be the best chris pratt ever so whenever i see him like in an interview or i see him in anything else you know no disrespect to star lord but i'm like can't he just be andy hammering a nail into the wall on like a chair right, desk sure. chair because it's like <laughs> the funniest thing so those are my we got a two for two or a four for four or a six for six um Leslie Nope and Andy Dwyer yeah, from I love it. Parks and Rec. I, I've totally seen 
Oh, I've totally seen those um, bloopers, those Andy They're bloopers. So I love them so much. <laughs> There's one where he farts in the car <laughs> oh my and God. Anne has to get out of the car because it's too stinky. <laughs> And it's, she, it's the funniest. <laughs> she's like, did you really do that? <laughs> this year, like, she's like, I'm not getting back in the car. That is yeah. so great. I love Michelle, the Leslie Nope toast, to- too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying I love Leslie Nope. I mean, I will say that when I Googled, like, what are the top iconic underdogs? There was, like, almost no women at all yeah. on mm-hmm. any of the lists. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I think probably some of that is because it's just a lot of, like, iconic underdog movies are sports movies. And just mm-hmm. the majority of those are starring men. So that definitely is part of it. But I don't know. I was like, is there something about the, like – person with a lot of problems or issues or un- insurmountable odds that were like not comfortable putting on to women or something. I don't, I mean, I don't, I was just like, I just didn't see any on the list that I peruse. And I think Leslie Nope is like a great example of, of, of an underdog. That's a beautiful choice. I think it's interesting yeah. you say that because there you're right. If you go and look in like underrated characters, underdog characters, they're like what 90% men, if not a hundred percent men. And I feel mm-hmm. like female characters in some way, I think sometimes we're, we as like a society or maybe Hollywood is really comfortable with women being like beautiful model characters, really thin, pretty perfect. face. They're perfect. And they, but and they look a certain way and then they fall into like emotionally other categories like they're sad cat woman or they're hot neighbor or they're like mom or they're like they fit into these categories. And I feel like for Leslie Nope, you see her and it, Amy Poehler is beautiful. She's a she's a pretty woman. <laughs> um Pun intended. I don't know if there's like a movie reference in there, but I think that she's very pretty. And I, but I don't think that she's like, <laughs> she's someone that you would look at and be like, oh, she's like a model, right? Cause she's not tall. She's very petite. Um, and I feel like they, they use that to play up the side of her character, which is why the first season might be hard to watch because they kind of wrote her as like this sad sack character that nobody listens to and like everybody is discounting. But then, through the other seasons, she, she, I don't know, maybe they give her like more, they give her more dimension or they give her more of a storyline than just like, oh, yeah. the person that everybody just doesn't listen to. And they, they also amp up everybody else's character, I think, within the show itself. But you're right. There, are, I feel like there aren't women underdogs, maybe because that's an uncomfortable place for, Hollywood to put them <laughs> like but they they did a nice job with Leslie nope and that she succeeds I think she's so yeah. such a likable character um as the more you watch the show mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I mean there's a lot of like badass women that are like yes. you know yeah. it, like on the lists that I was looking at there's tons of like you know just hardcore like whatever you know or like we just watched we just went to go see the new Angelina Jolie movie right? oh those and who like, wish she's dead. like a badass and troubled <laughs> you know and and she's Good like she's got her issues and she's not perfect but it was like but she's still a rock star right. she's still like and a like, brave firefighter more yeah. beautiful than yeah. any living person like we were like, <laughs> yes. arguing I was like it's so weird because now people get plastic surgery to look like her face 
And I was like, I remember she always wow. looked like this, but now it's like, I can't even tell. I'm like, how old? Like, she's just such an iconic beauty figure. It's hard to even yeah. know, you know, I don't know. Right. It's crazy. It's hard to watch her in a movie. And they made her a badass. Uh, she's a hardcore forest fire uh, fighter. Yeah. And then, uh, carrying a hundred pounds of gear on her back. Who's really great. But and she's like saving this land. kid That's- and they're like shooting at her and like in real life yeah if like i think the killers came after and they saw like this for the this forest for- forest firefighter who's like as pretty as Anna- angelina jolie they'd be like oh we can't shoot her like that never happens like <laughs> yeah, is this real life like she's so beautiful and she fights fires in the forest is that possible? She got struck by lightning and it didn't matter. <laughs> She's so badass. <laughs> yeah. Her bra strap melted to her skin. And she's oh like, oh man, god. I'm gonna eat some candy. <laughs> oh my god. It's my this new favorite movie. Review. I I heard that. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. good to know. Michelle, yeah. quick question. Mm-hmm. Is Chris Pratt? The reference you were making earlier about you, they can't be they can't be an underdog, then get too successful, and then you don't root uh, for them anymore. Um, is he a li- is he a real life? Yeah, version he could of that be a real life version of that. I feel like that's yeah, because in in this, I feel like a lot of people are like mm, off Chris Pratt now. Yeah, and well, Chris Pratt <laughs> like now he's gotten too cocky, yeah, he, too big, he got skinny, and he yeah. thinks he's too cool for school, and I don't know, all tweeting things that we don't care about. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, and I think his, <laughs> for Andy, like, they made him doofy enough where you're like, oh, I this guy just is a doofus. And I can see why Anne doesn't want to be with him. And then you see that he's trying to figure out life, and then he has success with with his band or being able to, like, sing songs. And it, it, he becomes this Johnny Karate character that's very successful. And I think if they had prolonged that too much as Johnny Karate, you'd be like, all right, I get it. Like he went from being a doofus to having like a successful TV show. That's just silly. Um, But they, they did the right amount of him, you know, fumbling around and then having moments where he's like, will say something like really sweet or something really profound, or he'll, you know, he'll be there to support April. And then two seconds later, do something really stupid. Like what's better than, (laughs) <laughs> but what's better than what's 5,000 times better than a candle in the wind? Cause he's trying to write a song as good as candle in the wind. And he's like 5,000 candles in the wind, <laughs> which is the title of the song. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, folks, I love all these picks, but we got to take a quick break because we have to get into honorable mentions and we need to talk about some movies coming out with, I think, probably some clear underdog stories or themes going on. Uh, So let's go ahead and take a quick break. Hey, it's Rebecca Lieb. And I'm Jason Horton. And we are Ghost Town, a show about weird history, hauntings, unexplained events, true crime, and all kinds of bizarre phenomenon the world over. From unsolved murders to haunted manners. Satanic panic to internet mysteries. Buy a ticket to our abandoned amusement park. A VIP ghost pass to our haunted club? No. Bottle service. We have new episodes of Ghost Town every Wednesday and Friday, and you can find Ghost Town wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Crush Fictionally. We are talking underdogs today. Uh, I still don't know the underdog theme. I'm so sorry, Michelle. I tried to sing it there for a second. I'll post it on our Instagram and then it'll get blocked like six months from now and they'll be like, can't show this. It will. 
Damn it, Instagram. <laughs> just let's post your just let us post, let me post copyrighted content. <laughs> um, <laughs> why? Um, so we talked a little bit about this earlier, but Cobra Kai, we obviously know if you are a Cobra Kai fan and you've been following the news that there is definitely a season four. We don't know a release date, but rumors have it that um, Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos told investors that it will premiere in Q4 2021, which I guess could be anything from October to December of this year. And then showrunner John Hurwitz revealed on Twitter that the writers had completed all the scripts for season four. Mm. So it's happening, baby. Uh, They've written it and... So shall it be done. And then Michelle, oh, you know, you've got a... Yeah, speaking of... I was going to say, speaking of Cobra Kai, the kid who plays Robbie is in the reboot for She's All That. He's in the move, the Netflix no. movie that's going to... That's called He's All That. And so he's oh the what? he yes. where he he's like the, I guess, the ugly, nerdy kid Nerd. who gets the makeover. The- the hot, ugly nerd. Yeah, the hot, ugly nerd who becomes the hot, popular <laughs> yeah, nerd right. guy who then gets taken to prom. So stay tuned. That for is that. unbelievable that they're remaking that movie. <laughs> are we that old that it's a reboot? Yes, what we are that old. I know. On? I know. It's a are sad you, time in our lives. And they should have learned about that. That, that. that was such a ridiculous movie. She was just wearing glasses and had overalls on. <laughs> <laughs> they gave her a different hairdo. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Doesn't mean I won't watch this. He's all that, but she's like and now pretty- she's suddenly hot. <laughs> what? Oh my god! I'm oh gonna watch god. it too. It's uh. wild. <laughs> I'm so mad at myself, Muriel. But I'll it's watch. It's wild. Um, speaking of yeah, reboots, <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of reboots, we'll see if you like this one. Uh, reboot of the Wonder Years. Um, there, that is set to go. It's coming out Wednesdays this fall on ABC. I'm excited that they did slightly something different with the reboot, where it's a completely black family who are the stars of the show. So I'm excited to see how they've taken the wonder mm-hmm. years. Cause I actually did like that show. Um, it came out when I was a kid. Yeah. So some of it, Me I think too. was like a little bit over my head. Kevin was definitely an underdog. Yes. Kevin was always an yeah. underdog and his friend was also an underdog with the glasses. I can't think of his Paul. Right? Oh, Paul. Yeah. Oh my God. I read somewhere yeah. that that guy's a, in real life is like a lawyer in New York. So good for him. Um, good for you, Paul. <laughs> so you can check out That's if you're awesome. interested in I I don't know reboot remake of the Wonder Years on ABC. I was going to mention well spoiler alert one of my honorable mentions was Bob Belcher from Bob's Burgers. Um, there is a Bob's Burgers movie that exists somewhere, but neither Kim nor I can verify when it will be released because it's been pulled from the schedule. So in the meantime, you can hear H. John Benjamin, uh, who is the voice of Bob Belcher and other things. He's also been in Master of None. Um, you can see him in the animated series Central Park, which is on Apple TV+. Those are some good, that's some good shit coming mm-hmm. up. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. Folks, we got to get into honorable mentions. We are getting towards that time of the episode where we shoot out some fictional underdogs that didn't make it to the number one spot for us, but we want to give a shout out to because, you know, they deserve a little recognition. Um, Nick and Miro, do you have any mm-hmm. honorable mentions for us today? What you got, Muriel? I'm... 
freezing under the pressure. <laughs> okay, I'll go. Oh I'm that one. Uh, I, um, uh, it's one of my favorite movies, uh, but it's Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, and yeah. at the end, when uh, my dear close personal friends, Brad and Jennifer, uh, <laughs> go and to the dance competition and they're able to like beat the spread or whatever and get that low score and which is enough for them for my personal actual father Robert De Niro to <laughs> win his bet against, That's pretty good. That's a cry. Know, that's a cry. Part. That's a cry movie. I love that. I love that movie for just a lot of personal yeah. reasons but uh uh that the the way they triumph and the fact that they triumph on their own terms and like really truly kind of like overcome their like personal demons and like literal sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, physical hard, you know, they're just not as good. They're going up against professionals. So like, clearly they're not going to win, but maybe they'll get a 5.2 or whatever it is in comparison with these professionals. And it just like, for me, it just works. You know, it's just like, it's just, I mean, I, 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 I love it. So that is a moment. Cause I think that's like one of those things where like, you don't, it doesn't, it's not like clearly an underdog story. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, like definitely a dance movie, you know, it's not fully in a genre right. in that no. way. Um, right. And mm-hmm. then suddenly you're like rooting for these people that aren't very good at something yeah. to like, win this thing and you're like oh my god is this this is really happening this is an underdog story and then they do it and then when they all scream and throw their hands in the air and cheers and everyone looks at them like what you know like that's just to me that's it that's like top of the mountain i love it i like that okay wait okay i love that david o russell again okay right american hustle yes okay uh what's his face is the guy christian bale yeah christian bale and that is just so great. Yeah, that's he's, a good underdog yeah, story. Yeah, he was really great. I mean, I don't know yeah. about you. He's just so sad and he's got the hair plugs and like he's just <laughs> yeah. he does have the hair plugs. <laughs> he has the hair so plugs. Bad. Very unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, and he Everybody's wins at the end. Breaking his heart. Yeah. yeah and at the end he yeah. like wins. But he's just always like really messing up, man. Because David O. Russell also did The Fighter, which is a good underdog, underdog. movie. He's a, he's a good underdog. Right. Oh, he did like yes. Three Kings. Yeah, Three mm-hmm. Kings is kind of, I mean, it's not, oh. it's not really an underdog. That's probably a stretch, but he's <laughs> but still, I, that's I, a good yeah, movie. Those are all great. But The Fighter, yeah, though, I, I mean, jeez, yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Talk about layers of underdogness in that movie, not just about boxing, yeah. right? Right. Oh, yeah. I love those picks. Um, Michelle, who do you got? Um, Nick Miller, Nick Miller. Uh, Jake Johnson, and uh, who plays Nick Miller on New Girl, and his friend Winston Bishop, mm. Viola Morris. <laughs> um, <laughs> poor Winston can never catch a break. He's always the butt of everybody's jokes, but he kind of, his story arc <laughs> kind of makes it out in the end. Um, and Nick is just... Man, he's got a mess, uh, just a messy life. Uh, he just can't get himself together. He's got a box of bills, uh, and poor Jess is just trying to help him. So I like Nick and Winston a lot from New Girl. Um, Tracy Morgan, talk about David O. Russell many times. Tracy Morgan, not once but twice. Um, I loved him in 30 Rock, and uh, he is just my favorite because I can listen to Werewolf Bar Mitzvah as like a jam any time of year. Um, I think that's funny, <laughs> funny song. Um, 
and shout out to Childish Gambino who uh, or uh, Donald Glover who helped with that song. But I love Tracy uh, Morgan and I love him on the last OG. I am rooting for him a hundred percent. And oh I just want to see yes. more of the last OG because I think it's such a great storyline. Um, but I love Tracy Morgan in it. And I just want him. He's, he's trying to, he, he went to prison and uh, of course now he's stuck in the system of trying to m- become like a better version of himself. So every time he tries, even though he doesn't do it perfectly, I just want him to like be successful. And he's, he's kind of like a culinary master. So I'm hoping in this next season that we'll see his character arc while he'll be successful and uh, figure out what his calling is as far as um, his cooking. And then uh, not too long ago on this podcast, Kim was talking about Pamela Adlon and I didn't, I knew Better things, but I hadn't watched it. So I watched it and loved it. She's fantastic as Sam Fox. She's a single mom mm. raising three girls who give her nothing but a hard time all the time. Um, and shout out to her because there are many yeah. moments as like a female underdog that she's got to stand in in the industry, in the mm-hmm. entertainment industry. There's one moment where she really has to stand up to these guys who are filming this zombie movie. And she has the best monologue. And I love it because she's strong and independent and she's speaking her mind. And then in a very realistic turn, nobody pays her any attention. Like, and she's so, she's got some, so fierce. She's got (laughs) some great biting lines. And, and the way that she is created and written the show is just very funny to me. So Sam Fox on my list as well. Love yes, it. Yes, love, love it. those picks. I'm gonna speed through these guys. You, I don't. These don't need any explanation. I went for like the easy ones. But Steve Urkel from <laughs> Family Matters, the forever yes, underdog. Yes. Will he ever get with Laura? Will it ever happen for him? <laughs> Will he ever be valued for anything more than just Stefan? I don't know. Um, I God, I still quote Family Matters to this day. Did I do that? Like it's just. It's just so good. I love Steve Urkel and Jaleel White. I think Jaleel White, why don't I see more of him on my television screen? Mm-hmm. Hollywood, That's do this question. for me. Good God, give this man more work. Um, and then, of course, I have to give it up for like the OGs. I know we didn't talk too mm-hmm. much about sports movies, but Rocky and mm-hmm. Adonis Creed from the movie mm-hmm. Creed uh, and Creed 2. I mean, talk about stories that break your heart and being underdogs. I think I sound like a baby watching Creed. Um, just knowing that, you know, this how this boy grows up and like lost his father. Mm-hmm. and But he has this like, you know. Uh, perception of who his father was and then Rocky comes into the picture and becomes a father figure to him. Guys, I mean, leave me here all day. I could watch Rocky (laughs) and Creed all day every day. I I love absolutely. And then just Sylvester Stallone and he's incredible in Rocky. I mean, I know he's had like a crazy career uh, over the years, but damn he's so good and he's so watchable in Rocky. For sure. I can't believe that man uh, wrote that screenplay and like uh, it was like one of his first screenplays he ever wrote. Uh, It's incredible. It's incredible. So I love, 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 love those characters. Nick and Muriel. Did you guys have a good time? (laughs) 
Yes. Thank you for having us on Crush Fictionally. It was so great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being yes. here. For, yeah. Tell our listeners how they can follow you two and your work and your podcast. Yes. <laughs> okay. You can find uh, <laughs> us uh, every Monday. We drop Hella in Your 30s. That's like a comedy podcast that Muriel and I sort of, uh, you know, take you through our life and go on all of our uh, our adventures with us. We're going to Disneyland for the first <gasps> time on Friday. So yes. That's our next episode. Shit, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. We're excited. Um, and then uh, every Wednesday, we put out Muriel's Murders, uh, which is uh, a m- true crime podcast where Muriel tells me a true crime I've never heard of. In, in an attempt to blow my mind and turn me into a fan of true crime. <laughs> and this week we're doing the Frank Lloyd Wright murders. Bet <gasps> you don't know about those. And maybe you do. No, but now I'm going to listen to this pretty. episode. I'm fascinated. Yeah, it's you hooked hella me. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and you can find us on social Scared. media at hell in your thirties at Muriel's mm-hmm. murders. And definitely if anyone, you know, wants to, wants to definitely check out Muriel's murders. We put out our uh, little animations for each episode and that's Ooh. our like other little passion and love in life is filmmaking and animating. So follow at Muriel's murders. If you want some of that oh, good cool. hand drawn animated content, baby. Yes. yes, I do want that. Oh, I do want that too. Uh, sign me up. Guys, what a bargain episode. Uh, This has been a great time. (laughs) You got like (laughs) 10 things for one. Uh, What a deal. What a bargain. (laughs) What a deal. Thanks to our listeners. And listeners, if you are listening to me right now and you love this show and you haven't written us a review yet, uh, are you sick? Is there something wrong with you? (laughs) Write them a review. (laughs) Are you sick? Let's get on this. Let's go. You could. Five stars, baby. You could have uh, (laughs) network connectivity issues. <laughs> in between episodes, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Crush Fictionally. And feel free to slide into those DMs. Or tell us about your favorite fictional crush when you leave us a review on Apple Podcast, and we'll read your crush out loud on the next episode. You've been listening to Crush Fictionally with original music by the talented Edith Mudge. Artwork by the incredible Rose Feddock. And produced by the amazing Peter Burns. Thanks for listening. I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung. And remember to love yourself. Because your love is real. Uh, uh, uh.